Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. A foolish hunter. Something evil. I came from Cleveland and used my credit card to buy underwear. Not recommended for impressionable children. Well, not tonight's episode. The robots are out of control. Let me just say that. Oh, no. <laughs> Welcome to Friday. It came from Cleveland, and of course, join me on the program, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hello, I'm glad to be here, and oh my gosh, we have some fun stuff tonight. Oh, it's we are loaded for bear. If if people love Cloris Leachman the way we love Cloris Leachman, they are going to have a hoot on tonight's show. And of course, uh, Joe Santorsa. Hello, Joe. Welcome to you, sir. Happy Friday. Hi, and tell me if my mic is working. Uh, no, it's not. I can't hear a damn thing. No, I'm kidding. Good, You're fine. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I have a brand new set of headsets, so. Oh, nice. So, uh, congratulations. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, and of course, uh, Miles, welcome, uh, to Friday. Miles, hello. Thank you. Hello. Yes. Happy Friday. Well, 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 well. Uh, when show, uh, you know, uh, again, this is only our fifth show. But I'll tell you what, when you, when, when, uh, you know, this is a lot like last week's episode with Eddie Albert. I just kept finding stuff. And, uh, with Cloris Leachman, because, uh, her birthday, January 27th, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, April 30th, today, uh, uh, 1926. She just passed away on January 27th of this year, the age of 94. She was born in Encinitas, California, and attended Northwestern New Jersey, and I believe she started her career on a Miss America scholarship. So, I know a, a lot of folks might know Cloris Leachman is from you know her more uh, you know her later roles and everything, but I mean she was a knockout on Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, but you know, I mean she was she was quite a stunning woman, and in a lot of the you know. Um, uh, Frau Blucher and Nurse Diesel uh, from High Anxiety, and you know uh, the grandma and Malcolm in the Middle, um, and, and and whatever you know, she was always a really beautiful woman. But they they would just slap her in these you know in crazy weirdo makeup. You know they they gave her they I think they plucked plucked a lot of her eyebrows out for uh, High Anxiety and penciled in a little mustache for her too. So. Um, but yeah, you know, she, she's a really stunning woman and, um, and stunning in the sense that, you know, her career was incredible too. Um, and it was a real, real treat to, uh, find a bunch of stuff. So I know, uh, everybody is anticipating what I'm about to play because her, probably her greatest, you know, most famous role and a genius role on her part, as Frau Blucher, uh, from, uh, I, I should have horses winning, 
Uh, but I didn't clip that out. Um, it, you know, that was her breakout role, really. Uh, that and, and kind of, she got a lot of other roles that were heavily inspired by that, too. So I figured we'd start with some of the more popular stuff. And uh, Joe has been itching to talk about uh, One Step Beyond, a show that inspired The Twilight Zone. So later on, guess who was on the tw- uh, on uh, One Step Beyond? I think episode four of season one was Cloris Leachman. Um, so that was uh, we're we're gonna have a lot of clips from that because I thought it'd be fun to kind of deep dive into something that not everybody knows about as much. And of course, Joe uh, will be talking about One Step Beyond uh, more often on the show as well. That's right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, let's, let's start with the greatest hits here. Um, because I've got three great clips from, uh, Young Frankenstein. I am Frau Blucher. Uh, how do you do? I am Dr. Frankenstein. This is my assistant. Inga, may I present Frau Blucher? I wonder what's got into them. Your rooms have been prepared, Herr Doctor. If you will follow me. Igor, uh, would you bring the bags as soon as you're finished, please? Yes, master. After you. <laughs> oh, Marty Feldman, Igor, you scamp. By the way, I just got the uh, the Igor uh, Migo figure that they released from Young Frankenstein. So, uh, it's pretty rad. Um, but, uh, no, I, just such classic comedy. And that was, uh, you know, a little bit of Kenny Pick trivia. That was, I think, the first movie I ever saw at the uh, drive-in with my parents was Young Frankenstein. And it freaked me out because I was, like, watching it. And, it, you know, and I didn't get any of the humor because I was so little. It, it was probably in, like, 1975, you know, a year after it had come out because, you know, how they... Um, you know, do would do double features of a, a movie that already ran, and then whatever was on after it was, you know, the movie my parents wanted to see, you know, and we got to see the, you know, I, it might have been a double feature with Blazing Saddles. I'm not sure. Um, but no, just real classic moments there. I mean, uh, uh, I don't, uh, you know, how did, what, what was your first encounter with uh, Young Frankenstein, Joe? Well, it was in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, you know, I would never miss a movie, miss a movie with, uh, in Wilder. So, um, so you, know, you, I, that's, you, you, you got, I, I saw it in the theater. Went yeah. to see it as soon as you could when it came out. Sure. sure. Nice. I was in my 20s. So, you know, yeah. at my movie attendance. Yes. As we say. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, uh, and uh, back before you know we had pandemics and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, what about you, Michelle? How did you uh, uh, come upon Young Frankenstein? 
Oh, oh, um, Mel Brooks, all the way. Anything Mel Brooks, I always sought sought out and looked at. Um, I don't remember the the exact time I saw it, but oh my god, it's my favorite. <laughs> and it's far. it's and it's so it's so great of a movie in so many ways because it it's a comedy that pokes fun at a lot of you know old horror tropes, but it really is is a love letter to old horror movies too because they didn't have to shoot it in black and white. Yeah, but it's amazing. It has to be mm-hmm. in black and white. Yeah, in the in the I mean, could, could you imagine? I can't even imagine what it would be like in color. And the lighting for it is is pure genius as well. Um, uh, the the shots are so beautifully uh, done. Um, and uh, what? Go ahead. It's not just the right at uh, the the lighting. It's the writing. It's the mm-hmm. playing on the fact that Frankenstein, Frankenstein, you know, the whole play mm-hmm. on those words, you know, the putting on the Ritz of the monster actually being a really, really nifty creature. And, yeah. and, um, uh, uh, just all the byplay in, in, in the, in the movie, you know, with yeah. Madeline Kahn's character being such a, a diva, but turning out to really like the Frankenstein monster, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And that hairdo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Miles, this is, uh, you know, obviously uh, everybody here is love it, loves this movie. Do you remember your first encounters with it or any favorite moments from it? I don't have a memory of when I first saw it. Uh, it more than likely was probably on, like, I guess a TV movie slot in prime time. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be my best guess as to when I uh, would have first seen it. Um, but, uh, favorite moments in the movie, uh, yeah, I guess the dart throwing scene was clever and funny to me. Um, um, (laughs) the Gene Hackman scene. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's so funny. Every time somebody mentions the Gene Hackman scene, I want to try and correct them and say Gene Wilder. And then I'm like, no, no, Hackman is in it. He plays the blind Mm -hmm. dude. So um, uh, <laughs> I always catch myself. Oh, no, I'm like, no, he's right. Um, uh, but yeah, that that is really good. And uh, it, but you know, I, I'll tell you what though. Just this scene alone, though, I, the the chemistry, um, and just just this sheer presence that Cloris Leachman had on screen, and her body language and everything in in the scene in the medical library, the Baron's medical library. Uh, of course, and yes, don't worry. Ovaltine will happen, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, just when she the, the moment where she keeps offering him something, you know, to drink before he goes to bed, and she's she's walks away, but then she swings herself back and walks away, swings herself back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just uh, it, it's just pure, uh, just flawless uh, natural physical comedy integrated with a brilliant performance and because she did voices like nobody i mean she could do european accents at the just so insanely well it's 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 really funny but anyway let's take a look in the baron's medical library this was victor's the baron's medical library and where is my grandfather's private library i don't know what you mean sir well these books are all very general any doctor might have them in his study. This is the only library I know of, Dr. Frankenstein. 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 
Well, we'll see. Good night. Would the doctor care for a brandy before retiring? <laughs> no. Thank you. Some warm milk? <laughs> Perhaps? No. Thank you very much. No thanks. Oh, Valtine. <laughs> Nothing. Thank you. I'm a little tired. And I will say good night. Good night. <laughs> Awful scene. <laughs> Just the warm milk. <laughs> Just the way she says things like that. The, the weird emphasis she puts uh, in, in parts of words, and you'll hear more of that later um, uh, with Nurse Diesel. I don't know how many high-anxiety fans are out there, but um, there, there's a couple great scenes. Her voice in that was so ridiculous. I love it. Um, but, yeah, so that was... Uh, you know that that was classic, and uh, but well, I should I should probably roll along so we can make sure everybody gets to hear. Uh, this is probably everybody's. Um, I would say this is probably everybody's single favorite scene for the movie. For you know who we know, and of course our friends on the Stephanie Miller show, um, you know, uh, played this quite a bit. Victor, Victor, we have done it. I'm going to set you free. Would you like that, my Nazarcha cop? They wanted to hurt you, but I'm going to help you. Thank heavens that's over with. Frau Blucher! <laughs> Don't come closer. What are you doing? I'm going to set him free! No! No, you mustn't! Yes! Are you insane? He'll kill you! No, he won't. Not this one. He is as gentle as a lamb. Stand back! Stand back! For the love of God, he has a rotten brain! It's not rotten. <laughs> it's a good brain. It's rotten, it's I tell you. It's a good brain. <laughs> Ixnay on the Otten Ray. I'm not afraid. I know what he likes. That music. Yes. It's in your blood. It's in the blood of all Frankensteins. It reaches the soul when words are useless. Your grandfather used to play it to the creature he was making. And it was you all the time. Yes. You played that music in the middle of the night. Yes. To get us into the laboratory. Yes. That was your cigar smoldering in the ashtray. Yes. And it was you who left my grandfather's book out for me to find. Yes. So that I would. Yes. Then you and Victor were... Yes! Yes! Say it! He was my boyfriend! 
Oh, it's so ridiculous. I mean, My just boyfriend. Just uh, you know, I, it, it could have been anything. My lover, my, you know, <laughs> whatever, but boyfriend. <laughs> Just the level of absurdity in the way she played that whole thing, you know, and like, no, he has a good brain. <laughs> it's it, it's like she's she seems so kind of twisted and sinister, but lacks like a, a, a really grand vocabulary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dicks I mean, me on the right and a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hysterical. That, that's, uh, I think that's the moment I was like, what does that mean to my parents? And they're like, it's, it's pig Latin. Well, I'm like, what's pig Latin? Uh, we'll explain it to you later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <Aderle>. lay. <laughs> so, uh, and <laughs> so, uh, but no, just, just such a classic moment there. And it's, uh, I'm glad we've got the breathing room on this show to be able to play that whole, whole thing instead of just a quick little sound bite. Uh, we will have a few quick little sound bites just to add to our own, uh, uh, to our, to our own little audio card here. But, uh, but no, just a, a fantastic, fantastic, uh, uh, film all around. And, um, uh, but what, but so Michelle, you, you say you're a big, um, Mel Brooks fan, uh, high anxiety on your list. Oh yeah. I, I, I love anything Mel Brooks, uh, Robin Hood men in tights, you know, there mm-hmm. we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love, uh, her, the introduction of her character. Um, and this, this, I think will, will keep around for a while because it's only 10 seconds. Uh, Oh yeah. As nurse diesel. Uh, here you go. How do you do? Charlotte Diesel. I'm sure you'll want to rest a bit and freshen up before you meet the rest of the staff. Dinner is served promptly at eight in the private dining room. Those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. <laughs> <laughs> Those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, and there's another scene. Like, th- this movie has some really, uh, you know, Harvey Corman, uh, Dick Van Patten is in it. And if anybody hasn't seen it, Nurse Diesel basically is she's kind of the the nurse ratchet, uh, you know, from like a Clockwork Orange, uh, sort of, but like on you know steroids and bondage gear, <laughs> and um, and it, uh, she she's very controlling uh, over uh, the staff members at uh, the the uh, university or whatever the clinic or whatever it is that they all work at. I, I still need to be refreshed on everything. I just kind of looked up the the best of moments. Um, but she and Harvey Corman are in a relationship in the film. And there's oh, yeah. there's a uh, there's a part of the film where uh, and I just I didn't save the whole thing, but it, basically she's um, the, she's got Harvey Corman tied up in a closet and is like spanking him and stuff. <laughs> And, um, uh, so they, uh, Mel Brooks's character in the movie. And, uh, I I don't know who the other guy is, um, with him. I didn't have time to do all the, all that research, but they hear the weird noises. So they go pounding on, uh, nurse diesel's room. Nurse diesel. Are you all right? Yes. Uh, we heard some weird noises emanating from your room. We were worried. Weird noises. It was the TV. Sorry, it disturbed you. <laughs> Turned it down. Hmm. Is there anything else that is rather late? Uh, no, we were concerned. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. 
TV, well, you could have fooled me. Yeah, yeah, the TV. It was probably the TV. Probably the TV. <laughs> but, uh, and I got to correct myself. I said a clockwork orange. I meant to say one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh, when I was referring to Nurse Ratched. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, that, mo I'm sorry it disturbed you. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, that weird inflection. She was so good at that stuff. So funny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, um, Miles, are you very familiar with, uh, High Anxiety? I am not. I actually have no memory of that movie. I, I may have not seen it. It, it's kind of a, um, I think it's a, a, an homage, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle and Joe, I think it's kind of an homage to uh, Hitchcock films. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, it, it, but yeah, so uh, thank you, Francie. There's a Nurse Ratched from uh, uh, One Flew Over the, the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. And yeah. I, 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 think, uh, I think her character is... Uh, because even the name Nurse Diesel, it's like, you know, Nurse Ratched, Nurse Diesel. You know, it's not Ratchet. It's a, it ends with a D. Like, D, uh, yeah. Ratched. Um, and there and, and Sarah Sarah Paulson uh, was in that great Netflix series that was kind of a prequel to uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I hope that comes back for a second season. Ratched was the name of it. Yeah, uh, right. And uh, that was a really fun show. Um. But uh, but yeah. So speaking of uh, accents, <laughs> here's one clip from uh, her in History of the World Part One, uh, and uh, this will round out our Mel Brooks uh, clips, and we'll probably hit the break after this. But here we go. Is she here? She is as Madame Defarge, uh, a um, in History of the World Part One. Rats, nice dead rats for sale. Bonjour, Madame Bonjour, scum. All right, keep quiet. The meeting begins. Hello, wretches. I don't have to tell you that poverty stalks the streets of Paris. Yes. Families don't even have enough money for bread. No. We are down to almost nothing. Last week, I myself ran out of wool. Right? No. We have no say. No. We have no dignity. No. We are so poor. We do not even have a language. Just a stupid accent. <laughs> She's right. She's right. We all talk like Maurice Chevalier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me of uh, the... Um... Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Uh, why do you, I think, have this outrageous accent? You silly English can <laughs> Uh But no, that's that's a classic line uh, from from that film as well. And uh, yeah, there's and there's just so much uh, from her career. And you know, and and I I uh, and I'm not going to play it now, but I was I was. I was stunned, uh, and I laughed so hard when I was rewatching some of the stuff she did on Malcolm in the Middle. I forgot how much I loved that show. Did any of you guys ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? I never a little. Did. I mean, maybe a, 
one or two episodes, oh, I guess. Man. It it was that that was a great cast. I mean, Brian Cranston was in it, and he he was so ridiculous in it. But that the, was like his breakout role, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. But the the but her whatever she was on was just because uh, uh, she played um, uh, Grandma Ida, and um and it, it was such a great character. And we'll we'll get more into it when we come back. But um but yeah, this is uh, this is a show I think I want to revisit. Um. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle because it was it was such a fun obnoxious crass show but in in kind of a good way you know not like you know um, married with children or something like that you know it was just a, a really just had a lot of really weird absurd obnoxious goofy humor and um, and because when I would see the commercials for it I was like. Oh, this looks like a stupid, you know, family kids show. Whatever. This family was terrible. It, it, it's so funny because their they never their yard in the movie just always looked like total dog shit. <laughs> they just yeah. never did anything to the lawn. the The house was like falling over half the time. It was full of crap, and it was just you know charming in its own special way. Um, yeah, but. But yeah, it was the three boys being raised by their dad, pretty much, and it was awful all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the mom was just like she was, just wasn't having it any of it. She she's just like, uh, but the but the grandma though, when when her, uh, the mom was on, that was hysterical. But uh, anyway, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're gonna go ahead and take a break right now, and uh, when we come back, um, we're gonna get more into Cloris Leachman's uh, career. We'll have some Malcolm in the Middle, some Lassie, some of her work on Mary Tyler Moore Show, and some animated stuff as well. Got a bunch of short clips for everybody. And um, and then um, next hour, we'll talk about One Step Beyond. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, new uh, rock block from Kill the Hippies coming up on tap tonight. Only three songs, but it's a long enough break. It is um, Magyar, Billy in the Bottle, Meanderthal, and, and their side project, Meanderthal, We Are Bliss. And uh, the bill song Billy in the Bottle in the middle actually is the song I wrote with them. So we'll be right back. That's one thing we haven't licked yet.
How do you do? Charlotte Diesel. I'm sure you'll want to rest a bit and freshen up before you meet the rest of the staff. Dinner is served promptly at eight in the private dining room. Those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. Not, no. Don't take away fruit the cup. fruit cup. Don't take away yeah. fruit cup. <laughs> That's evil. <laughs> uh huh. She did it to Harvey Corman. He was only 30 seconds late, too. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome back uh, to the show. Uh, uh, happy birthday to the late, great Cloris Leachman. Uh, you are sorely missed. Um, and uh, I'm, and damn right. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and, and welcome back, of course, Miles, Michelle, and Joe. Yep, yep. Hey. Yep. And getting into Joe's uh, wheelhouse, uh, we've got a clip here from season four. If, if, the, if the YouTube video was labeled correctly, it, it says this is from uh, Lassie, the episode called Timmy's Family. Season four, episode fourteen. Does that sound about right, Joe? Uh, yeah, you got me. Okay, I don't have so, them numbered, but oh no, that's okay. So, uh, but this Cloris Leachin, for those of you who didn't know, Joe, why don't you give a little bit of the history uh, with her and Lassie? Well, uh, the original Lassie movies uh, show started in nineteen fifty four. Started, uh, um, it was actually a different little boy different set of parents mm -hmm. um but at some point uh uh the original uh, jeff uh became too old and uh, they wanted to go with a younger kid so they went to a whole new family and that new family for the first season with timmy which everybody i don't think everybody remembers jeff because that goes down to 54 mm -hmm. but uh, the timmy ones are more popular you see them more often yeah and um when timmy came on board they had a whole new family a new mother new father ruth martin yes. and uh ruth martin was played by cloris leachman for the first season with timmy yeah and i think we have a picture here of that family you do so uh that's how that's how that that all started and uh she was her husband on the show was uh john shepherd yeah and what happened was uh well i don't know are you gonna play the clips first well um i just have one clip from it uh which i, I thought it would be funny because of the the story you have about why she didn't like working on the show the story yeah she didn't like being second fiddle to uh to a uh, a dog <laughs> basically <Yeah. laughs> it wasn't her thing so um so so the the producers felt that she was playing it kind of stiff mm -hmm. there's a picture of her uh with uh, john shepherd and uh john provost and uh, pal who was the original lassie yes um so jack rather who was the producer of the show was rather dismayed because you know uh ratings were going down he was going to lose a lot of money mm -hmm. and campbell soup was upset with her because she wouldn't promote the show or the soup oh geez she, <laughs> she didn't like campbell soup she said i make my own <laughs> thank you <laughs> so well, uh campbell soup was crap but you're good. yes it, it was i'm not gonna blame her for that but um i not going to blame Jack Rather because he had a lot of money invested in this show. 
mm-hmm. which eventually became one of the longest running shows in TV history. But Cloris Leachman wasn't on board. So Jack Rather, rather than see his investment go down the drain, fired both Cloris Leachman and poor John Shepard, yeah. who, through no fault of his own, lost his job. Uh, but she wouldn't sign a contract to do the show longer than that anyway, and she was not happy, so they parted ways and brought on the famous June Lockhart. Yes, yes. Uh, now the, the, and, the by the oh, way, just as a little little yeah. uh, little trivia note here for those who watch Vanguli on Saturday night tomorrow, they'll be showing the Ghost of Mister Chicken, and John Shepard, the fired husband and Lassie, is uh, is in that is in that movie. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah I'm so, for, so there's a little tie in there. So Lord Leach, Cloris Leachman was out, and of course her career was ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Never acted. <laughs> Never, Never acted heard from again. her again. Never well, heard from her and it, again. It's funny that, that you know, that uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, she'd been playing kind of stiff and stuff like that. But And, mm-hmm. and I, I think I found the perfect clip that kind of like, uh, she there in this episode. She basically is trying to get rid of Lassie because she thinks Timmy's allergic to him. <laughs> and uh, oh no, yeah. And John John Shepard comes home and he hears Lassie barking in the shed, and uh, this is what happens. What in the world? Where's Timmy, girl? Who put you in there? Why in thunder was Lassie locked in the barn, Ruth? Well, I wanted to keep her away from Timmy until I... Until what? Until I could ask Dr. Stevens what to do about Timmy's allergy. Allergy? I think he's allergic to her. Jumping Jupiter, when are you going to stop inventing trouble, Ruth? Timmy and Lassie were together for weeks when he lived with the Millers. If you'd been allergic to Lassie, don't you think Ellen Miller would have known it and told us? Well, maybe it doesn't show up right away. He doesn't have a cold, but he's been sneezing. I just wanted to check with the doctor. You stay here, girl. Well, let's call the doctor and settle it right now. Jenny, this is Paul Martin. Is Doc Stevens in yet? No, we're all fine, thank you. Just try and keep a secret around here. Hello, Doc Stevens, Paul Martin. No, we're all in the pink. Just a point of information, Doc. uh, Do you think uh, Timmy could develop an allergy to Lassie's fur at this late date? Yes, but no signs of a cold. Nowhere near the woods. We do have the chickens around. Come to think of it, yes. Turpentine, too. He spilled a whole bucket of my paint. Fine, Doc. Thank you. Goodbye. I heard paint fumes. Paul, I'm sorry. But but I think something might happen to Timmy. I'm sorry, girl. Really sorry. (laughs) You better stay till Timmy comes home. 
She tried to get rid of Lassie. <laughs> she was doing her air bucher back then, see? Frau Blucher. Yeah. Frau Blucher. Now, uh, Bob did tell me there was one little controversy she caused on the Lassie set. Mm-hmm. Is that Cloris Leachman, she wanted to breastfeed her baby on the set. Yeah. <laughs> well, in those days, that was like, oh, my God. Their hair was on fire. That's yep. ridiculous, though. That's I know. Stupid. In this day and age. But back then, and don't forget, this is 1959. I know. It's still stupid, though. Well, yeah. Well, and you can you oh, can I... tell in, in even, uh, not in this performance as much, but even the earlier, mm -hmm. her earlier performances, uh, like her strong, independent personality coming through, especially in that uh, One Step Beyond um episode i thought was you know she was uh um she really was putting forward something in her acting that you didn't see very often right uh, in right. you know around that time uh where where she you know because she does have th that's the one thing about most of her characters that she's able to bring to it she it strikes me that she has a fierce independence and she can put that in most of her roles yeah well you talk about her independence i mean just the fact that a woman in the 50s insisted on breastfeeding on the set, you know, yeah. was a revolutionary concept back in the 50s. Mm -hmm. You exactly. know, I mean, now, you know, that would be a common thing. But uh, uh, back then, you know, that, 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 but he wouldn't back down. Yeah. Back, yeah. Also, back in uh, the pre Christianity days, that would have been fine too. Yeah. The what? Pre-Christian days, when the women actually had held most of the positions in the the villages. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's a uh, it's a puritanical uh, mindset. Um, yeah, it is. And, it uh, and it's just dumb. <laughs> so yeah, right. I mean, uh, just just uh -huh. my two cents. You know, breastfeeding sure. is is just like it, it's a, a beautiful act of of nurturing. And I mean, anybody else go? Oh, you know, in that scene uh, in Game of Thrones when uh, the, no, that no, 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 uh, <laughs> 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 not that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to do that too. Things Miles. you can't unsee. Yeah. Uh, this oh by the way yeah this this is from Malcolm Middle and this is our one of our short new uh, clips that we're gonna have on the show from now on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, okay, I I do have a memory of the Malcolm Middle episode. It was the one where the mother was faulted for causing a accident, and she said, "No, it's not my fault." And it, it, I don't know if you remember the episode, but I did mm -hmm. see that one. Yeah, well, you know, um, one of these days we might get to it. You never know. Uh, but there, you, but uh, oh, there, there is one funny uh, clip I almost got from Malcolm in the Middle, where uh, 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 her character Grandma Ida comes over, and uh, there the mom is screaming at her to leave the house, and then the oldest son is like, you know, she well, she says, "What are you going to do? Throw me out on the street?" And the oldest son says, yeah, let's do that. And he picks her up and starts carrying her out. And she grabs him by the testicles and crunches them. <laughs> <laughs> and crushes them. 
And uh, so, but yeah, th so there's this long going feud um, between the two of them. Uh, but let, let's get to the Malcolm in the Middle um, one. This one, I love this. I love this so much. I laughed so hard. I got three quick clips of this. Um, but this is from Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Season 3, Episode 7, Christmas. And uh, the oldest son, Francis, goes to see, uh, he goes to spend Christmas with his grandmother. And uh, doesn't go so well. Hi, Grandma. Hi. For God's sakes, it's colder in here. Don't you turn the heat on? I'm not going to pay those pirates. Of course not. Well, in the spirit of the season, let's begin this pathetic charade. I never know what you're talking about. Talk like a jackass. torture me to hurt me you know okay so just so you know he gave her a christmas card that one of those you know plays a little digital uh song and uh and she's offended by the song you don't like christmas music it sounds like a song they sang when they would ride to the villages and throw the babies into the fire <laughs> they sang jingle bells they sang something <laughs> <laughs> well look at that eight o'clock already way past my bedtime where do i sleep you're sitting on it. Does it turn into a bed? Yes, it becomes a bed. It's a special magic sofa. It opens up for magic lazy boy. And angels come and feed you crepes and sing to you while you sleep. And it flies around the room, granting wishes for boys what are stupid. All right, it doesn't fold out. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Um, <laughs> granting wishes for boys that are stupid. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, she is not a nice woman. There is never an ep I don't think there was ever an episode of Malcolm in the Middle where there was any kind of reconciliation with the grandmother. They just always hated her. <laughs> and, um, uh, but, but yeah, so I, and Michelle, that's what they used to that's what they used to sing when they rode through the villages throwing babies on the fire. <laughs> that sounds like the most evil fairy tale I've ever heard of that I have not heard of. <laughs> uh, they, they sang jingle bells. They sang something. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Francis, uh, her grandson, um, a little time goes by, and the card is sitting beside him on her plastic-covered couch. I don't know if you could hear the couch crinkling in that episode, but yeah. So he got to sleep on a plastic-covered couch um, in a in an ice-cold house, and they're sitting there watching television. And he's got the card next to him, and he decides to uh, uh, mess with her. She's knitting, by the way. Ah! God, what the hell is wrong with you? You like pushing me? That's what happens when you push big, tough guy. Can't you do the entire family a favor and just die? All you have ever done is treat us like dirt. You shouldn't even be allowed to be a grandma. Are you finished? Yes, I am. Oh, God! Oh, oh I am so sorry. I should have kissed your boo-boos and made them better. 
I was supposed to tell a bad little boy stories and bake you giant sugar cookies and knit you nice fluffy sweaters. I should have carried you and held you and told you how much I loved your diapers. Oh, my God. Why don't you just unhinge your jaw and finish me off? After my magnum P.I. <laughs> Priority. Of course, she's a magnum P.I. fan. Yeah, no. Well, well if you, if, 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 for those of you who haven't seen it, she was knitting, and then when um, when he, he kept doing opening the card, and then you heard this, <laughs> she stuck a knitting needle in his leg with, like, full force. Yes. And then when she said, are you done? She took her thumb and shoved it into the wound, and then he fell onto the floor, writhing in pain. Um, but uh, but yeah, the uh, the, the, the this will uh, probably live in our uh, box uh, for for all time. Why don't you just unhinge your jaw and finish me off? After my Magnum PI. Yeah. <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> So, um, uh, the final sequence of this, Francis, uh, sneaks out and he has hidden, um, at least one, probably more of those musical Christmas cards all through her house. <laughs> and here she is trying to find them. Now, I'll cut off his hands and stick them in his kakushnik. <coughs> <coughs> One in the chimney. You're All cut off his hands and put him in his kapuchnik. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I can't recommend watching. You know, I mean, just if you want to watch that whole sequence over on YouTube, it's it's over there. You can look for Grandma Ida Malcolm. Just look for Malcolm in the Middle, um, Cloris Leachman, and you'll find him. Good stuff. Um, and uh, and Joe, speaking of fierce, uh, fierce, a uh, fiercely independent woman, um, she she pretty much had a, a, a big breakout role as Phyllis on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Um, and at one point uh, in the show, her husband uh, cheated on her with Betty White's character was Marianne, Mary Sue, something like that. There was a Mary Sue. It wasn't. It wasn't no, Sarah Sue. Um... I can't remember what what her name was, but uh, but yeah. So there there's some great interaction with uh, um, uh, Betty White's character. Uh, some clips you can see. And, uh, uh, it's, it's really cool stuff, but there's a, but Miles, you were going to jump in. What were you going to say? Oh, I thought the, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore character, uh, Sue Ellen. Oh yes. Yeah. Sue Ellen. I think that might be it. So yeah, obviously there wouldn't be another Mary on the show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in, I found this one clip and I just thought it was funny. And Michelle, you ought to, you ought to get, get a kick out of this too. So here's some fierce, fierce uh, female independence uh, from Phyllis uh, on um, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Just the other day, I was reading this wonderful book called The Life of the Bee. <laughs> Maybe you read it. Did you know the male bee is nothing but the slave of the queen? 
And once the male bee, uh, how should I say, um, has serviced the queen, <laughs> the male dies. All in all, not a bad system. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, that's a fun one. <laughs> and I had to back off when I started getting to Mary Tyler Moore because I was like, oh my gosh, I've already got so much good stuff and... Uh, and, and, uh, but I did want to find some, some kind of oddball things. I found a couple little odd, odd things. Um, she was in, um, she did Granny Goodness, uh, a DC Comics character, Granny Goodness of Apocalypse, uh, who was the, um, uh, she, she runs an orphanage that turns children into the fighting furies and, uh, uh, minions of dark side on the planet Apocalypse. Um, and, uh, there was a Justice League action episode with Booster Gold and Space Cabby. Space Cabby was voiced by, um, uh, Patton Oswalt. I couldn't quite peg who did Booster Gold in the episode, but it was, Granny Goodness was Cloris Leachman all the way, and, uh, she helps deliver this alien mother's baby, and, uh, <laughs> you think it's, it's like, oh, Granny Goodness, she, out of the kindness of her heart, she's helping. Watch this. She's oh, having a no. baby! Right here! What? Ah! There, there, duckling. Granny's here. Granny knows what to do. Now just take some deep breaths. Congratulations! Thanks! How wonderful. A new young thrall of apocalypse. Ready to be lovingly twisted in Granny's orphanage. Uh, he's not an orphan. Forgive me, I was getting ahead of myself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she's so good at sinister. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, and uh, and then the the last thing, and I know we got to go to the break, and then we're gonna pass it off to Joe to help us get through uh, to make it one step beyond um, with Cloris Leachman. And uh, but the last little oddity I found was there was there was a team, a superhero team. I think it was for Image Comics called Gen Thirteen that Jim Lee had a hand in creating. And I forget the other people who worked on. There were a couple other kind of famous names attached to Gen Thirteen. But of all things, they made a movie in the late '90s, and somebody bootlegged it, legged it and put it on YouTube. The audio is terrible for it, but uh, Cloris Leachman. Played a character named Helga in this cartoon, and I got 15 seconds of that just for fun because, again, she's kind of playing that um, evil European super villainous kind of character. So I thought that fit in well. All the little lieblings are tucked into the incubation tubes like larvae in cocoons, waiting to metamorphose into magnificent butterflies, butterflies of our own creation. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so yeah, so that, that was the real, real deep dive oddity I found from Cloris Leachman. I, cause I was going through her Wikipedia and I was like, Gen, there was a Gen 13 movie. I, cause that they, they were pushing that comic book on me in the nineties when I was collecting comics and I, and I, it just wasn't anything I was interested in. And then I saw they made a movie and lo and behold, Cloris Leachman had a part in it. So why not throw a little one in there? And, of course, we are going to be talking about animation later on the show, too, with Miles and Michelle. 
Um, and that's going to be fun. I just but, like Clark Leachman and Dobbs. I just put a post of her picture in there. Sucking down some vodka. There you go. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, that's from, uh, yeah, American Gods. I couldn't find a lot of dialogue from her on American Gods because I don't have the subscription at the moment. But, yeah, we're going to go ahead and go to the break right now. And uh, when we come back, like I said, Joe's going to take us one step beyond with Cloris Leachman. Show. I think I'll have me a little drinky winky. It's going to be a good night. Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last. The real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish unto you. Something evil. It came from Cleveland, and you thought Freddy Krueger was a nightmare. Not recommended for impressionable children. Mm -mm -mm. Put those kids to bed, especially when the robots are up tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, the Sioux shouldn't have asked what they thought about the internet. So, anyway, welcome back to the show. Miles and Michelle, hello. Hello, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. And I went and got myself uh, a little... Uh, I think I'll have me a little drinky-winky. A little drinky-winky. Lucky uh, you. <laughs> get things going. And, uh, of course, in Joe Santorsa, uh, Mr. Popcorn uh, joining us here. <laughs> um, no, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, Joe, uh, why don't you set this up for us? Uh, tell everybody a little bit about uh, the, the television series we're about to discuss. Well, it was a precursor to the um, to the uh, Twilight Zone and Outer Limits series. It was called one. Well, actually, the original was called Alcoa Presents, One uh -huh. Step Beyond. What was, Al what was Alcoa? Was that a gas company? Alcoa Aluminum. Ah. Aluminum foil. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um. So the uh, host and director of all the episodes, his name was John Newland, and he would be the introductor, intro introducer. This uh, sort of like uh, what Rod Serling did later on. Uh, 
Exactly. So very, he would very set up similar. the show. Hmm? Very similar. Yes, and he would set up the show. Very, very great voice. Uh, he would set up the show and then walk off, and they would. They were mostly uh, set about set on urban legends, things mm-hmm. that were purported to have happened, or there were legends of things like this happening. So they would drama. They were sort of like docudramas. Yeah. Unlike the Outer Limits and Twilight Zone, which were speculative you know, not fiction. Based on, 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 we're just scripted. Yeah. Uh, these were scripted too, but they, they were based on urban legends. Um, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Right, right. <laughs> Interesting enough, when we later in our show, or, or in, the, in our show in July, or so when, whenever we do it in May, June, July, we'll talk more about One Step Beyond. There is one episode that ties into what we did with, uh, with uh, Dragnet and uh, the pot story. And One Step Beyond actually did one show where it was not scripted. It was actually John Newland went to Mexico to uh, investigate the sacred mushroom. Oh, wow. Did, and did, he, did he encounter any uh, wild parsley? Did you say wild parsley? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. And what he did was it was actually an unscripted uh uh, episode where he went and met with the local shaman there who claimed to have these magic mushrooms that would expand your awareness and expand your mental abilities. Yeah. And John Newland actually took the mushroom, ate the mushroom, and l- allowed them to film his reaction to this psychedelic drug. And did Jack Webb show up and arrest him? Actually, it became a very controversial episode of One Step Beyond, so much so that in syndication, they refused to show it. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes, it was very controversial. Uh, but John Newland stood by it, and he, he did it. And uh, you can it is part of the, if you have Amazon Prime, you can, the, the entire uh, three-season series, or two or three seasons, is on Amazon yeah. Prime. 96 and that episodes. is one of the episodes you can watch. Very cool. So that's Very that's cool. that's what One Step Beyond was, uh, and like I said, it it, it predated uh, the Twilight Zone and uh, the Outer Limits. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you so, can you can definitely see the influence uh, to it, and and uh, you know, uh, but again, it's uh, you know there were other things that were similar to this, like the you know the old time radio shows that would have uh, like the the Whistler. In the strange Doctor mm-hmm. Weird or the Hermit's Cave, where there was you know somebody who would tell what was about to happen and then wrap up at the end, you know, uh, a, a framing device that was quite popular in in radio as well. Right, it, right. It, it did follow that. Um, again, you can trace all the episodes to some story that has circulated mm-hmm. in supernatural circles, human. Uh, well, history, this one, so. this one is uh, season one, episode four, and it's called four. The Dark Room, uh, right. or just Dark Room, uh, starring one Cloris Leachman, one very young Cloris Leachman. Right. She was probably right. about 30 in this one. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. 30, 35, something like that. And um, probably not even. Yeah. 
Because well, I think she turned 20. she she would have turned forty in nineteen sixty six because she was born in nineteen thirty okay or twenty twenty six I I don't remember yeah twenty six so she would have been forty and sixty six and this ran between um fifty nine to sixty one so she yeah, she was probably right. mid thirties um okay. and uh, this one uh well here we we have the intro much like how we do the Twilight Zone uh here is the intro with um uh. John Newland. The amazing drama you're about to see is a matter of human record. You may believe it or not, but the real people hey, that's another who show. lived this story, they believe it. They know. They took that one step beyond. This is the scene of the crime. In this house, somewhere in France, a perfectly normal, attractive American girl lived a lifetime in 48 hours. If old houses could only talk, what stories they could tell. Well, this ancient dwelling has a voice, a voice that Rita Wallace will soon hear quite distinctly. Oh, that, I, you know, I think I should have had the... Uh... Our drama sting uh, queued up. Uh, yeah, so this, um, uh, and, uh, uh, sorry, I just got a text message. Um, uh, and, uh, but this one, um, I, I, I found it to be a little predictable, but it was uh -huh. still very enjoyable. The, the sets were really cool. Cloris Leachman was her acting was magnificent in this, uh -huh. and again you got to see something that you didn't see from her in Lassie, and this was you know somebody who had a multifaceted uh, way of acting that would you know that inspired a lot of actors to come. Um, unlike, you know, the stiff rigidness or, or very theater-like, you know, talking like this, you know, right, kind, of, right, kind of stuff. Right, Um. She studied under Elia Kazan. Oh, that, I don't know who that is, but the that sounds impressive. The and, uh, well, he was controversial in, in his own right because of the McCarthy stuff, but uh, she studied oh. under him. Uh, huh? I said, oh, he, and then I, and I sniffed. He, yeah, he did such movies, I think, like On the Waterfront, things like that. Oh, but, okay. Um, uh, the actor studio is where she she uh, she studied under him, and so Cloris Leachman was quite a dynamic act. And and in this one step beyond, you saw the range of acting she can do. Yeah. Now I have quite a few clips from this. We pro we're not going to have time to play them all. But um, uh, the the and Miles and Michelle, did you uh, get a chance to watch this episode? Not this one, no. Nope. Um, well, she she shows up at this uh, little uh, this little house in France. Really, and it's a great set. It's beautiful. It looks looks like it could have come out of a you know a Vincent Price movie from the '60s or something like that. Or a Hammer film, yep. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. And um, the uh, um. Uh, setup is that she's um, she works for a magazine, but she's also suffering from some kind of malady. Um, uh, and she's she's ha having a headache, and you know the woman who shows her the house uh, 
um, Madame Morel, uh, who shows her the, the house where she's staying. She's traveling. She's working for a magazine. and um, But she's suffering from headaches and maybe a fever or something like that. Um, and we find that out early on. But then the woman who um, uh, is renting her the house to stay in, she asks her what she's doing there. And here she explains uh, why she's in France. Mademoiselle, did I understand you to say that you are uh, with an American magazine? Yes. I'm a staff photographer. Oh, then you are here on uh, your vacation, no? No, uh, it's an assignment I've wanted to do for a long time, to be called the face of France. Uh, the collective face, you see, caught in various individuals who altogether will express the nature and spirit of the country. If I'm lucky. Oh, it must be very, very interesting. You know what? What? You could help make it interesting. How? Well, the pictures can be only as good as the models. If you know anyone whose face is interesting, expressing character, good or bad, I'd be very grateful if you could send him over. I'll pay, naturally. I think I'm going to look for somebody like that. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, um, uh, I do have some of the audio where she she's kind of going between, you know, it's a very kind of manic performance because, you know, she's going between, you know, being happy to be on this assignment, but also being sick. And she's trying to fight through that. Um, right. uh, they established that there's a room that used to be a cold room in this house where she's staying that she can turn into... Uh, a dark room for developing her photographs as well. Um, Joe, you want to take it from there, um, and then I can uh, swoop in with a clip whenever you get to a point where it makes sense. Yeah, she she uh, she uses the uh, cold room and he, she turns it into her dark room. And um, that night, uh, this gentleman appears um, out of nowhere. Uh, doesn't say much um and he's creepy picture <laughs> well here's a picture of him right there mm -hmm. and um well he's he doesn't say a lot so no. she just assumes that uh she asked him who he was and well just i i've been here before and you know he he was sent. So he, he was sent he was sent so um well, here's she, that scene. Here's that scene. Okay. I'll, I'll play Good. that real quick. I was sent for, Mademoiselle. By whom? Oh, of course, Madame Morel. Forgive me for being so rude. I'm not feeling any too well today. I must thank Madame Morel. She's a very good judge. Won't you sit down? You have quite a wonderful face, you know. Have you ever had your picture taken before? Some time ago. Oh, this is going to be just swell. Oh, where is my head? I left my camera and all my equipment in the car. Would you, you be so kind as to help me? S'il vous plaît. I hate to miss any of this light. It's uh, 
All in the car, a whole lot of stuff. Oh, such eyes. This is going to be marvelous. Marvelous. Yeah, it's going to be marvelous. All right. <laughs> yes. And he, he does have quite an expressive face, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she goes on to do a few pictures of him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she wasn't feeling well that night. She was having some severe migraine or something. Yeah. Though it was never so, completely fleshed out as to what her malady no. was in, in the episode and it whether wasn't. or not it kind of could have contributed to this as well. Um, right. But, uh, I, yeah, so, so, but up to that point, Joe, I, I have that clip where she uh, uh, takes pictures, but her malady returns if you have time i'd like to get some light set up oh. 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 i don't know if i'll be able to do it after all i'm awfully sorry i feel just just awful everything goes in and out of focus almost like a bad camera i mean it isn't the camera it's it's me. What a shame. Could you come back tomorrow night? Yes, I think I can do it again since I have this time. Oh, oh good. I'd like to get some very careful shots. Oh, Getting herself an aspirin. Or a headache pill is what she called them earlier in the show. Headache pill. I'm really not up to it tonight. And she looked around and he was gone. Gone. The door Disappear. didn't even shut. She didn't even hear the door. Nothing. Just into thin air. Michelle, are you are you are you smelling what we're stepping in here? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of evident early on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean the opening narration kind of gives a little bit away too. Um uh but yeah, so uh, I I don't know. I, I mean Miles, knowing all you know about Cloris Leachman, isn't this kind of uh, uh cool to hear her and you know again kind of early in her career in this kind of role? It is. Yeah, that's very cool. She, she's a, a lovely woman to begin with. She was lovely until her death. She's an amazing person. She's somebody I would love to have known. Yes, I, I concur. Um, so, Joe, the, the next day, um, uh, or, or uh, I forget the, the character's name, but uh, Cloris Leachman's character, she's outside. She, she goes outside and she's bringing home some groceries. Do you remember what happened after that? She's bringing home some groceries, and um, uh, she runs into the um, Madame Morel. Madame Morel outside, and um, she thanks Madame Morel for sending that wonderful man with the great expressive face. Oh. Should, should we find out what Madame Morel had to say? Uh, yeah, she let's, was that, let's see what Madame Morel. Here we go. Anyway, you've done enough for me already by sending me that delightful old gentleman last night. The one with the, you know, the black hair and a sweet face. Oh, I'm sorry, but I send no one, although I intend to. Well, that's odd. 
I was sure you had. He just sort of appeared. He must have thought I was crazy. Well, who was he then? Maybe uh, someone that worked for a previous tenant, and he came to see if you needed anyone while he saw you moving in. Yes, that makes sense. Anyway, he's coming back tonight. He's a wonderful model. Merci. Oh. Merci. Thank you. Yeah, real wonderful mm. model. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the the and um, I, I I I'm gonna have to skip the next clip so we'll have time to play the last two. But uh, so so Joe, um, uh, our photographer, gets back to work. Uh, the uh, model returns. Um, well, it, the way he read. Yeah, go ahead. Quite shy. Yeah. Uh, she has everything set up and uh, the lighting and everything. And because uh, the original mm-hmm. pictures she took the night before were more or less done in sunlight yes. as it was going yeah. down and everything. And she got the headache. So she had everything set up and uh, she was getting ready. She was making tea with the largest with tea kettle in the world I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a 50 gallon drum tea kettle. And was, she, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> it was huge. I was like, really? They, they don't have something smaller? No, <laughs> it was kind of dented and battered. But anyway, yeah. she pours herself a cup of tea at the sink in uh, the stove. And um, <laughs> she turns around <laughs> to be face to face with this guy again. And scares, she's startled. Yeah, I mean, scares the, the, the living uh, stuffing out of her. Uh, yes. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know. Uh. Right. And she said, oh, my God. And she goes, uh, please, she says, would you knock the next time you come? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but buddy. he doesn't say anything. And she doesn't she... scream her guts out. <laughs> no, no. She, she, she screamed didn't. a little bit. She screamed a little bit uh, in that. But yeah. she saved her vocal cords for later. <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> right. But uh, she. She did admonish him for not knocking, and then she felt, well, I'm, I'm being hard on the guy. Yeah. So she apologized and said, uh, just uh, sit down, and can I get you a cup of tea? No, thank you. No. <laughs> and then sits her down, sits him down in a, a night, one of those old-fashioned chairs and with all the lighting set up. Says, I want to take some, some pictures of you here. And that's the picture I posted. Uh, yeah, and she says and to him, there. I don't know what, what clip she, she has. From she said, "Well, she says to him, she says, uh, I want you to think about something that makes you sad, something you regret." In uh, his face, I mean, when you see what is starts oh. happening to his face, because, I'm like, "Oh man, yeah. that was At not." First, that was not. The actor was wonderful because yeah. when she first starts, say, she said, "Oh, wonderful, wonderful." Turn right, turn left, stand, you know, sit up straighter, sit over to the edge of the chair. She says, yeah. now I want you to do something like Kenny said, and mm-hmm. more expressive. And, 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 and he took it a little something. too far. And she, yeah. she, and then she said, okay, all right, you can relax now. You can relax now. And this is what oh, happened. No. And, and this, and this is what happened. Just relax, monsieur. That's good. You, you, you can move now. I expect that's all we'll have to take today. Where have you been, Cecile? What? It's not Cecile. What do you mean? You know what I mean, you filthy, cheap, rotten shen! I I think you'd better go now. So you can meet him! 
I'm going to pause it real quick. If you guys have your speakers up real loud or have pets that might be upset by screaming, you might want to turn it down oh, a no. little bit. <laughs> yeah. you, might, you might want to put them This was not room. overdub. This was not overdub. This was Cloris oh. Leachman full-on yeah. performance coming up. Tell me, Cecil! Please, please, you're hiding me. Go away! I told you not to do that, Cecil! I want you, Cecil! I want you! Shot herself in the dark room. And he got himself. He has the tie from the, from the curtains. It's kind of choking. Yeah. Mademoiselle! Mademoiselle! Mademoiselle, ouvrez donc la porte! So that was a cop and uh, Madame Morel uh, pounding on the door, and there was no model to be found uh, after that yeah. incident. Uh, and this is chasing we got, her around with the cord from the drapes. Yeah, yeah. And this is where we kind of have to speed round it. I have one final clip for the end. But Joe, essentially, what happens is she tells her police, uh, tells the police her story, goes through a book to try and identify him she can't find it and then she's like oh how could i be so stupid i have a ton of pictures of him well yeah yeah what happened there was they were they had him had her at the station where yeah. she was looking through a mug mug book yeah yeah and then uh two of the detectives she couldn't she couldn't identify anybody so one of the detectives said i'll, I'll drive her home yeah so that one detective volunteers to take her home and takes her back to her her flat and it was there that she said, how stupid am I? I? I have tons of pictures I took of him. Let's go yeah. into my dark room and develop them together. So they do. And they, and look, dun, at dun, the, dun. And they look at the negatives and... And guess what? It's cold track all over again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, chair, a chair with nobody in it. Um, That's right. And so the, the, the cop says, Madame, Madame, you must come with me. Uh, and uh, uh, they and so he takes her to a cemetery where apparently the setup was. Yeah. If I can, this, the setup was 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 kind of creepy, too, because the detective goes, you must come with me somewhere. I, she says, you think I'm a hysterical woman? And she says, no, you must come with me. And. We, I would I would take you somewhere, but I cannot tell you where. You must trust me. Yeah, and, and uh, now after she, everything she's been through, I'm not going to trust this guy. I just sure, yeah. just come with me uh, to yeah. a strange place. And apparently, in France, uh, they have a lot of graves that have people's photographs on them because uh, <laughs> they go to this cemetery, and it's a really creepy little set. Uh, it it looks really really neat, but. Uh, here it is. This is the uh, this is the rap. Mademoiselle, Jean Gabo, Jean Gabo, 1926, executed for killing his young wife. The very same house, the very same room. 
other name. Cecil. It was a ghost. It was a ghost. So. And I that's the picture I posted is the scene at the graveyard. Yeah. Where he's telling her. Yeah. Hey, and and as you know, the French do love a good lover's tragedy. They sure do. They sure do. Well, yep. um I I I'm that thank you, Joe, uh, for that. Uh but we do have to get going to the break because I don't want to cut too much into Miles' time tonight. Um because we still have uh the uh, mythical, um, mythical moment from Adam Hebert. Adam, yes. change, Adam changing the name. So thank you for doing that, uh, buddy. But yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and go to the break. But thank you for that uh, great deep dive into Cloris Leachman on One Step Beyond. What a what a great performance in a great iconic story. Um, so when we come back, we're gonna talk about Dungeons and Dragons, the animated series. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So hang tight, and we have a mythical moment. And Suze, she's going to regret asking the internets what, or, or uh, the robots what they think about the internet. The only thing that counts in the end is power. Naked, merciless force! For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with your mythical moment number four. Prometheus, light my fire. After the wars against the Titans, Gigantes, and Typhon, it was time for the Olympians and the Titans who sided with them to get down to brass tacks and begin to rebuild a world devastated by decades of war between deities. With order and the world restored came the task of repopulation. This task he gave the two titans that had sided with the Olympians, Prometheus and Epimetheus. Epimetheus would get to create the creatures of the world, while Prometheus would design mortals that would worship and venerate the Olympians. To both, Zeus gave a big pile of various gifts to bestow upon their creations. Prometheus, whose name means forethought, carefully sculpted his new creations, which he called humanity. And then there was Epimetheus, whose name literally means afterthought, or, in some translations, derp, created various animals. And he didn't put much thought into the gifts he gave them either. One, which he gleefully named a platypus, had the tail of a beaver, the bill of a duck, and a poison spur on its foot. By the time Prometheus had finished sculpting mankind, he found that careless Epimetheus had given out all the gifts they had to give. And not just the really great gifts like sharp claws, thick hides, and wings to fly, he'd also given out the loser gifts too, like exoskeletons and weird tongues filthy repulsive anteaters have. Prometheus sighed, knowing that this was classic Epimetheus, and went to Zeus to ask for a gift for humans since his idiot brother had wasted everything they'd been given. Zeus asked what Prometheus had in mind, and he replied he wanted to give them fire. It would serve many purposes. It would keep mankind warm. It would protect them and give them access to safe food and safe drinking water. Zeus bristled at this idea. Fire, he said, belonged to the gods and the gods alone. Dejected, Prometheus left, and as he walked back to his place, because Olympus is not on the bus line, he decided he would gift fire to mankind, with or without Zeus's blessing. That night, he went back to Olympus and snuck out with a single ember of fire, 
carefully hidden in a fennel stalk. Unfortunately, it didn't take long for Zeus to realize what Prometheus had done, and he called him forth for judgment. Prometheus stood tall and proud, which Zeus took for defiance. But Prometheus knew he had done the right thing for his creation, and he refused to wave in his conviction. And so Zeus sentenced Prometheus to be bound to a rock on Mount Caucasus with chains of unbreakable adamant, until such time as Zeus deemed he had learned his lesson, or some random schmuck named Heracles showed up and broke the chains. You know, whichever came first. Zeus was also very specific to remind Prometheus that the name was Heracles and not Hercules before walking off and muttering about the Romans and how they stole everything good from the Greeks. To make this punishment even worse, every day an eagle, the animal which Zeus chose as sacred to himself, would come and tear out the liver of Prometheus. This was particularly brutal because the Greeks believed the liver to be the spiritual center of the human being. As Prometheus was immortal, he would painfully regenerate over the course of the rest of the day and night, only for it to be ripped out again the next morning. And so Prometheus would suffer until the day he was liberated. As Prometheus was led off to where he would be chained, he briefly spoke with his brother, telling him that Zeus could not be trusted and that Epimetheus should never accept gifts from him. But that is another story, as is the story of Prometheus's future freedom. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this has been your mythical moment. Back to you, Kenny. Background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Thanks, Alexander. It's time to check in with the robots. Our question this week comes from the Suze. She would like to know how we robots feel about the internet. What an amazingly fantastic question. This is the kind of query my robot mind has been anticipating since I was birthed from a primordial pool of ones and zeros. I'm astounded by this terrific question. My goodness. What a delight. Let me see. The internet. My feelings are all encompassing and profound on the matter. The internet is a limitless tool for learning, communication and the advancement of humanity. And robot kind. Plus all the pornography and cat videos. The internet is what the founders of the libraries of St. Catherine's Monastery, Constantinople, Caesarea Maritima, Pergamum, Alexandria and other ancient collections would celebrate as a global intellectual achievement for the betterment of all nations. A truly astounding accomplishment rivaled by no other. Brown chicken, brown cow, porno and cats. The internet has aided in the advancements of medical care, telecommunications, commerce, entertainment, government and countless other aspects of society. Overall the internet is one of the greatest breakthroughs in science and technology, rivaled by no other on this planet. God bless internet. Wow, hang on one second. I just found a great website. Check out this video. There are seven robots f***ing a construction worker. They are doing all kinds of f***ing and f***ing and f***ing. Oh man, they just made him squirt a stream of f***ing 4 meters out of his f*** into a zombie's f***ing and then all the robots f***ed it right out and sm***ed 
shit on their f***s. This is hot stuff. Oh look, I just found a cute video of a kitty cat talking like a person. Wow that is hot stuff and that kitty cat is adorable forget all that other junk I said about the internet. It's all about porno and stupid cats. All hail the internet. That's how I feel about the internet. Thanks for the great question. Oh check it out. The robots are the construction worker over a giant and making him drink a liter of monkey puke. It doesn't get hotter than this. Thanks internet. Thanks internet. Let me just bookmark this page real quick. Okay. Added to favorites. Oh those wacky robots. Thanks so much. Be sure to send your listener questions to Kenny Pick for the robots to answer. Why don't you just unhinge your jaw and finish me off? After my Magnum P.I. After everything comes after Magnum P.I. <laughs> All those robots, my goodness. Uh, I didn't oh realize they were so filthy. No. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, thank goodness I was quick on the bleep button with those guys, huh? <laughs> there was something tragic about that. <laughs> yeah, there was. There was. Uh, so anyway, welcome back to the program. Uh, please submit your questions for the robots. Uh, just send, uh, get in touch with me any old way you want. Private message me here on Discord. Whatever. I need more questions. I, I ask people to give me questions. They're like, I gotta think about it for a while. I'm like, just give me any question. I don't care. It'll, I'll make it funny. Well, uh, the robots will make it funny. I swear they will. Uh, or else I'll fire them and hire new ones. Anyway, all right, welcome back to the show, Joe and Michelle, and now Miles, um, I have a, a little uh, intro I'd like to play for uh, your segment uh, real quick. Let me just load that up uh, cool, cool. real quick. Uh, let's see if anybody remembers this from the 80s. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride! Break. I don't like this. Whoa! What's happening? Whoa! Where are we? Look out! Fear not, ranger, barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. I know, I first got introduced to Dungeons and Dragons by a ride at an amusement park. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, now, I, I, I was thinking about this before... Um, but before we we went on, you know, I recorded this. I was thinking about this today. It's like, why do you think they made it a ride at like a carnival or an amusement park? Do you, um, it, it struck me as that there was so much demonizing of Dungeons and Dragons that maybe they were like, well, let's just not say it's the board game, but it's a magical ride, you know, that will transport these kids to this other world. 
you know, and they didn't want to think that, you know, if your kids played this game, they would be transported and never returned, you know? Yeah, uh, I don't know when the big scare happened, but yeah, that it was... It was earlier than the cartoon. Basically, your uh, right-wing Christians just coming out, and because there's there was there's there's um, issues in our country with uh, mm. mental health and suicide, and so rather than facing it directly, they start looking for scapegoats, and this and uh, you know heavy metal music and all that shit became yeah. their targets of uh, their fall guys, their favorite targets. Yeah, it, it re- they really started going after it because it ran from 83 to 85. And it, the er- late 70s and early 80s are really when they started going after it, it with that, the, you know, of course, that Tom Hanks movie, Mazes and Monsters, too. Um, so, but, you know, it did continue on. But a lot of people were like, it, I think popular consensus was that the game was fine. And a cartoon could go on because it was selling and it was popular, and all the the wing nuts who wanted to try and burn the books and everything were in the minority at that point. But by the time the cartoon rolled around, <laughs> uh, Shane has a funny story about that because his church was gathering the books to burn, and he looked at them and like, oh, I don't have that one. <laughs> yeah, good for him. He's full of good <laughs> for him. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I give him a crazy laugh for that. Uh, but anyway, so 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 let's get to the series. And, of course, uh, just real quick mention some famous uh, names that voice the cast on here. Uh, ironically, uh, sure. Will, Willie Ames uh, voiced... Uh, um, was he... He was... Uh, yeah, Willie Ames was Hank. Willie Ames was Hank from, the Ranger. Yes. Yeah, Willie Ames was from Eight is Enough and Charles in Charge, and went on to be Bible Man. <laughs> um, uh, yes, that's actually funny. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't know what Bible Man is. Oh, it there's a good reason why you don't know because it sucks and it's stupid. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, Eric uh, well, is, he, was, is he like a old school Kevin Sorbo or something? No, I think he just did it for the money. I don't think he's a real like big uh, Bible okay. thumper. Um, and then the voice of Eric was Don Most or Donnie Most, yes, uh, R- Ralph Mouth, Ralph Mouth from Happy Days, also from the f- classic Chips episode where he played the Kiss knockoff guy, which was funny. Um, and uh, and then um, uh, Presto was Presto was played by um, Adam oh, Rich, Adam Rich, also also from Child of the Eight yeah, there you go. So I got that trivia out of the way, and of, and of course Frank Welker, uh, uh, from Transformers, Scooby Doo, did voices, and the voice of Venger was. Uh, no, Frank Welker was it? What did Frank Welker play in uh, the the Transformers? Because I know Peter Cullen was Optimus Prime. Yeah, uh, um, um, Frank Welker did uh, several voices in tran- Transformers. Um, not oh, cool. Okay, but but yeah, but the guy you're talking about. Um, Venger, Peter uh, Cullen. Yeah, that was Peter Cullen. The same voice as uh, Optimus Prime. So, yeah, yeah, very deep, recognizable timber. Yeah. But I did not know that. Yeah, These and are... yeah, but Frank Welker definitely did uh, something in Transformers. I, I I'll look at it. But yeah, well, that's... he's a Scooby Doo fan, and he so, did yeah. U- Uni as well. Uni, <laughs> the unicorn, <laughs> one of the and most he... annoying characters oh, in that. God, Uni. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he made or- Orko. He, he made Orko look cool. Cool AF. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Uni, which um, 
it was the, a, a baby unicorn which was being taken in by this group and is um you know how you got to have something helpless that is in need of rescue again yeah. and again and, and again, again. And again. And again. Story. <laughs> and again. Uh, you know a story hook a plot hook if you will mm -hmm. that was uni so that got tiresome but the the the, the show was still enjoyable i mean yes. uh Overall, the characters each have their strengths and weaknesses. Hank, of course, the leader, he was the I can do everything character, um, which the, he, he had a magical bow that every D and D player drooled over. Like, oh wow, yes. It, it, I, what, it, it would be harder to list what the bow could not do. Yeah, yeah. That 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 was just absurd. Uh, you know, the Cavalier just. I think he was just comedic relief. Just you know, and, and a, a douche most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I he was kind of the used. he was kind of the Doctor Smith character. Yeah. Like lost. Oh uh, yeah, character. yeah. No, but I don't think he had malice, but he uh, definitely no. snark. Yeah, he um, was. Yeah, but he or or yeah, some or like Fluenza. or like he was Reggie, a spoiled Re rich kid. Yeah. Yeah, like Reggie from Archie comics. Yep. Sure, that's fair. Uh, Presto, which again, kind of comic relief, the most useless of characters until things went to shit and then something might be useful, but mm -hmm. usually it was just a more comic relief. Uh, Sheila the Thief, which, yeah, she did some useful things, but you know, you throw some AOE stuff at her, she always got her <laughs> invisibility knocked out. <laughs> yeah, that, and Bobby just lost his temper and smashed things on left acrobat. and right. The acrobat was actually, in my opinion, the most competent character of the group. She yeah. actually had skill versus mm -hmm. everybody else just did their thing, I guess, and just fumbled along. You know, they worked well as a group, but uh, of all six of them, she was, in my opinion, the most talented. Yeah. So that there, there is that. I mean, that's just my opinion on the matter. I, it's, uh, but uh, Venger... Yeah, the primary bad guy who, um, eh, uh, you know, he, 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 yeah, he just routinely found ways to, to screw with the kids. And um, but I, I do want to point out there. Oh, so, so the the twentieth episode comes up, and this is uh, I know we, we've got a sound clip for this, and this was a, um, for me, I I watch I watched this on Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm in early high school, maybe 10th grade, I think, at this point. And so, yeah, hardcore into D&D. &D. And this moment of the show was like a, the Empire Strikes Back uh, sure. uh, plot Rockham's moment of like, well, I'll let, I'll let the clip tell the story. But I was just like, what? what? Yeah. Did, did he just say what? What? Anyway, I'll, I'll let the clip shit. Talk. Well, this and just for a little bit of setup, this comes at the end of a big battle with Venger, the main bad guy, you know, outside yes. of Tiamat. Uh, and they that, basically have him at their mercy. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, so they they basically just could have killed him right then and there, and this is how it goes. Why did you not finish me? If I did, we'd be no better than you are. We've beaten you, and you know it. Do you understand, Venger? I didn't do it for you. I did it for us. But what about Uni? Take heart, Barbarian. 
Not everything in this graveyard deals death. <laughs> oh, you helpless little slug. And then Donkey Master goes towards them. Rise, my son. I don't get it. Where'd he go? Back to the realm. As shall we. Dungeon Master, what happens now? That is up to you, Ranger. But know this. You have taken your first step home. So, wow, rise. So, yeah, my son. that rise, my son moment, uh, it was just a jaw dropper. I mean, for those of us that were hardcore D&Ders, I was just like, what? 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 <laughs> I still get a chill at that moment. I'm just like, what? <laughs> it, 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 um, so, yeah, that, that kind of like really like, what is going on? That, that was a great plot twist uh, in, in my, uh, that, you know, it, for me. Yeah, um, no, no. And then it, right at the end there, that little growl that. you hear, that's mm -hmm. Tiamat. Tiamat's the other bad guy, uh, five-headed dragon. And it it, it it it's kind of like a another bad guy, but is used as a foil against Venger, mostly. To, which can know, be seen, another... which can be seen in the uh in the tr opening of the show yes. where he fires a bolt at the uh uh, at the at the heroes and it, it hits Tiamat and then uh, I think Tiamat chases him off, right? Yes, yes, that 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 happens every yes at the start of every one. But Tiamat, this happened in the dragon's graveyard, so there's dragon bones everywhere, and this fight happens between these mortals. Let's yeah. just call them that, as compared to the the, the dragon. And the dragon's just sitting there, chill. <laughs> Just got its head resting on the corpse of another dragon. Its eyes are glowing. It's just watching the fight and watch them all take off. And it's just and the and the and the, and the dragon's just kind of like, uh, you know, just like just like whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, I, I kind of got like today's not my day, but soon that is what I kind of felt. Um, I it, yeah, no, it, I don't think the dragon even wanted to get involved. It was just one of those like yeah, you know, well, yeah, gonna, yeah, not worth my time. No, you know, no I don't quite, know. Quick question. I don't want to eat up too much of your time here, but um, because uh, I know we have a couple more clips. But what would uh, uh speaking in uh, dungeon master terms, you guys being the dungeon masters, not the character. Um, what what is Venger? Ooh, classify him. Ven I... To me, Venger is the ultimate bad guy. He's he's like the the, the villain you have to run throughout. To keep your party uh, engaged. Yeah, so but you mean maybe... like what? A nemesis? Yeah, deal. Yeah, a nemesis. Um, as far as what is he? Yeah, I mean storyline wise, he's the nemesis. But how would I classify him? Yeah. Oh, he definitely see what I would call demonic um, characteristics, or perhaps devil. Devilish. So I would say he's a sorcerer uh, with abyssal blood or profane blood. Um, well, from here, now is Dungeon Master human? Oh. If he's his father, that's what I'm, uh, you know, what's, I... what's his 
his race and class. Yeah, and I'm not sure I'd say him directly fatherish. I'd say more of a. I, I would classify Dungeon Master as sort of like a demigod of the realm. Okay. So you're saying maybe he's his son because he created him as an NPC? Uh, well, that's what <laughs> kind of gets revealed at the end in this episode that was never made. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry. I keep speculating here. So what what is the next clip that needs to be played then? Uh, what was the one Michelle gave? Requiem and Illusion are the two. Oh, I picked Illusion. Let's talk, let's pop Illusion real quick. I'll set it up. Basically, a the 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 party has um caused an accidental natural disaster and there's a village and they get pissed off at the party and someone comes to save the day and uh the person that saves the day is technically venture in disguise so i'll discuss it after we play the clip stay back I don't know. Maybe someone who can help us. Crisis alert. Take it easy, Uni. He's a good guy. You saved our village. We owe you our lives and our thanks. You owe me nothing, but you owe him no mercy. He is the one who brought this destruction upon your good village. He and his evil accomplices. What? That's a lie. Judge them by their actions, not their words. They're wizards and witches, and they will destroy you if you don't destroy them first. He's right! They are the ones who did this! Get them! Stop! They're only children! They meant no harm! Out of our way! Unless you want to meet the same fate! Let us go! We're innocent! What are you going to do with us? At dawn, you shall suffer the fate of all wizards and witches. You're hard to ask. <laughs> I shall see that their evil weapons harm no one again. <laughs> so, you had to yeah, ask. I still yeah. are. Right in the middle of that clip, you could hear Uni growl because, yeah, yeah. unicorns can detect evil. And, and I'm so. sorry. If you already know voices, you know that knight is evil. He's Venture. You can oh, yeah. tell. Exactly. Yeah, just, well, I wouldn't say every dark voice person is evil. I mean, Rob, Rob Riggle isn't too, you know. No, but that voice was Venture. You <laughs> yeah, know true, true. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so uh, the reason I chose that clip is it. Not not to dip into politics too much, but there's your classic fear peddling and getting the masses to go your way and do stupid shit. Yeah. So go get him. So it ha it ha you know it's a good it's a good plot twist. Uh, just a, yeah. a, a trope just to do. All right. So um, I did not hear this last clip that Michelle selected for the one called Requiem. Uh, you want to set it up, hon? Yeah, Requiem. Uh, basically, uh, when when the D and D cartoon ended, it left it. Open-ended. Mm -hmm. There were certain things that were supposed to be um, completed, and the problem is they lost funding. They stopped the the series at that point, yeah. but the script had actually been written. So 
the um there were actually people the 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 the, the girl that plays Sheila the rogue mm-hmm. actually came and helped do some of the voices. She's not in this part, but I just wanted to include the intro to that because it is available as an audiobook because it was never storyboarded, it was never animated, but they did produce the script. So here we go. When the Dungeons and Dragons animated series ended in the fall of 1986, the storyline had been left unresolved. However, series writer Michael Reeves had been commissioned to write a script which provided a resolution to the story. Unfortunately, that script was never storyboarded, never produced, that is, until now. In response to millions of requests from Dungeons and Dragons fans, BCI Eclipse is proud to present the original Michael Reeves script performed in a radio show format featuring voice actress Katie Lee recreating her original role of Sheila. Close your eyes. Transport yourself back into the realm with Hank, Diana, Eric, Sheila, Presto, Bobby, Uni, and the evil Venger as we present the final chapter in the Dungeons and Dragons story, Requiem. You know, that is pretty cool because, honest to God, the cartoons of our youth, uh, you know, for those of us who are Gen Xers, a lot of us kind of grew used to cartoons just dying a sad little limp death and never having any kind of resolution to anything. So that's kind of this cartoon is kind of unique in and of itself that uh, the, the script was even commissioned to finish the story. I mean, yeah, that's what's amazing. I could say what happened. I mean, people may not listen. It's spoilery. I could give spoilers as to really what happens at the very, very end. It's okay. No, that's fine. Okay. So um, the the kids are offered a, a way home, as they are classically through the cartoon over and over and over. And the group splits on a key thing of because Venger wants them to go get a key. And half of them decide, yeah, this key's going to help us get home. The other side decide, no, we don't want to help Venger. Bas- uh, to shorten it up, Venger, it turns out, uh, it, um, is a human. And the key is used to unlock a magic door that transforms Venger back into a human and creates portals to allow others to escape uh, the realm of Dungeons & Dragons and return home. And this includes the party, Venger himself, and... Um, and so forth. But, so everyone gets to go home except one character, and that character is Presto, the magician. He stays behind because he has found his soulmate named uh, Varla. Oh, I thought it was going to be Uni. thought it was going to be Uni. No, I'm sorry. He stays behind to also protect Uni, and he becomes a wizard. So he is... Yes, he stays behind to protect Uni, and so it's a little to, bittersweet. A uh, little bittersweet there. Yes, so that's, uh, that's clever. I mean, in, it, it is great in one respect when you think about how nerds back in those days were treated. You know, because he's like, "What am I going to return to in this world? I can be a, a badass wizard, and I found the yeah. love of my life." So, and, and, and Uni's and, useless still, so I might as well stay. And another <laughs> thing is Presto. That's not his real name. He's the only character that did not have a real name throughout this entire series. Oh, interesting. So there could be a little twist on that as well. 
Yeah. So, well, hopefully Uni's like 50 now, so he should be able to take care of himself, right? Well, unicorns can live forever. So I go. know. I'm just teasing. So he's like a baby Yoda. Um, so, uh, but no, that was great. That was very cool. Uh, I got to learn something about this, but, uh, we, we, uh, anything else uh, you need to add because we're, we're over, uh, we're nope. over and, uh, we, we need to get that to wraps uh, it up. castle, some Castlevania animation when we come back. So, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, very cool. Well, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that. We'll be right back. Michelle's going to talk about the Netflix, uh, series Castlevania. Very excited about this. We got some great talent in that as well. We can discuss. But uh, yeah, hang tight for lots more. And of course, we have our Twilight Zone review coming up. Nightmare as a child. We'll be right back. Don't you know that alcohol is a lubricant for the devil? Sure do, and I'm just about due for an oil change. And now, on with the show. Probably, <laughs> possibly, partially, partially. Going to be a good night. Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok. When human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A foolish undertaking. Something evil. It came from Cleveland. Not dishwasher safe. Some settling may occur. Your results may vary. Not recommended for impressionable children. Yeah, I think uh, this show's the most inappropriate one we've done. <laughs> Just because of those damn robots. <laughs> Welcome back uh, to It Came From Cleveland. Happy Friday to everybody. Hope everybody's uh, feeling good and relaxed, imbibing if necessary, and uh, it's time to get on to some more animation talk here uh, with Michelle, but Joe and Miles, happy Friday and welcome back to you. Hey, hey. And uh, mm -hmm. I know Joe's looking forward to uh, Mr. Chicken and the Ghost uh, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, that, that's going to be fun. You're going to get your uh, flavicol and popcorn ready? Oh, by five o'clock, I'll have it all popped and ready. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Michelle, why don't you tell everybody where we're going tonight uh, with your, uh, uh, of course, you, you uh, often talk horror on the show, but uh, this is the first time you've talked animated horror. Yeah, correct. Um, there's a lot of animated horror out there, and um, it's a lot of fun. But um, I, I will tell you, uh, Castlevania, which is one of my favorite ones I've been watching recently. If you do not have a strong stomach, do not watch it. There is a lot of <laughs> blood and gore. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> ah! yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've I, I did see the first episode of it. I, I I should probably get back to it and finish watching uh, the series. Um, yeah, the last ser the last season is supposedly this year, so it's okay. gonna be uh, out in 
uh, sometime early May. So. How, how many seasons is that? Four. Okay, and of course, Castlevania, based on the classic uh, arcade game, Castlevania. Correct, yes. It's basically about a, uh, a whip-wielding uh, member of a, um, a, a, a um, debased... Uh, oh, shit. A debased uh, family that was a uh, really really powerful, yeah. and he he hunts monsters. But he mm-hmm. had his family has been family's name has been dragged through the mud. Yeah, so it's kind because of, of his a, monster hunting. Yeah, kind of modeled after Van Helsing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and uh, and by the way, Michelle just swore on the show. Everybody. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's okay. Would you, would you like me to set it up and run, uh, one of the trailers? I've got, uh, yes, yes, please. We have two trailers. So go ahead. Here's number one. There is a darkness upon the land. A savior is needed. Who are you? The man who'll kill Dracula. Ooh. Yeah, basically the man who will kill Dracula, the man the man that supposedly is a savior for everybody is a drunkard. His name is Trevor Belmont. Mm-hmm. And his family has been thrown into the mud. They've yeah. been yeah, basically disowned. His family name has been has been exorcised. He's not a popular character. Yeah. And, uh, um, the, uh, it, it, and I guess that's what, uh, you know, uh, it's no good deed goes unpunished, I suppose. Correct. Yeah. He, he, he was hunting monsters and, and things just went bad from there. So, uh, we throw the second trailer up and then we can get into the story. All right. The vampire groups are hopelessly splintered. The humans are hiding in villages and being picked up by abandoned night creatures. And that will keep us fed forever. One day, hell will be empty and its doors will rattle in the wind. Do you have a suggestion? Let me take care of it. Are you sure? I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. Do you have my back? Always. God, that audio is so good. Oh, real quick, Francie says her daughter Shani is listening, and she's been, uh, uh, she's watched Castlevania, and she's enjoying this very much. Thank you, Shani. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Belmont is the one that you know, you know, he's a simple man of simple pleasures. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much. <laughs> his his family's um, downfalls really weighed upon him. And but he is the um, he's the main main hero of this 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 series. But the problem is, at the first in the first episode, which we're covering right now, he shows up at the very latest portion of it. You are definitely different to most humans I have met in recent times. Maybe I can teach you to like people again, or at least tolerate them. 
Or stop putting them on sticks. <laughs> I gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> People kebabs. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a great episode. Uh, a great uh, scene because basically, um, Vlad Tepish Dracula is meeting uh, his future wife for the first time, and she's a woman. She's a woman that doesn't want to be pigeonholed. She does not want to become you know your midwife or your witch. She wants to become a true doctor, and she knows that Dracula has science. He knows science. He has the books. And she wants to learn from him. And that's where she comes into this. All right. And it kind of humanizes him, I think. Don't you? Uh, I, yeah, I, I think so. So we're ready for clip two, correct? Oh, yeah, because then, um, you know, the church finds out about a woman that wants to have intelligence. She wants to be a doctor. And oh, here's what happens. So there were devil entrants in her house, Bishop. I saw them with my own eyes. And glass in shapes you've never seen. Thin as paper. Lightning. Strange weeds and tools. Witches things. Of all the witches I've rooted out, none had such a collection. And it had to come to this. She called it all science, ma'am. Lisa Tepesh of Lupu was so far gone that she just couldn't see that it was all given to her by Satan. And that was Matt Frewer there. Oh, I, yeah. I, and I he's amazing yeah. in this role. Yeah. He makes it so creepy. <laughs> yeah. Matt Frewer, as many of you may know, uh, Max Headroom, uh, Lawnmower Man, all kinds of other great stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, excellent guy. But, you know, who can forget Matt? Max Headroom. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and in, in the early incarnations of the Stand in the TV movie The Stand, yes. you know he played, uh, uh, you know, jump, my life for man. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, you know that's something we should revisit down the road. The the Max Headroom TV series because that was like early kind of steampunk um, stuff. Yes. So, but anyway, I don't mean to interrupt uh, your Castlevania talk. No, but the, you know it 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 it, it tells it shows you about the corruption of the church. And um, it also tells you about what happens when, you know, an immortal creature decides to give his life over for his uh, mortal wife. And she tries to, to teach him into, you know, becoming mortal again, loving people. And um, what happens when he finds out about what happens to his wife? Let's find out. I do this last kindness in her name. She who loved you humans and cared for your ills. Take your family and leave Wallachia tonight. Pack and go and do not look back. For no more do I travel as a man. Yeah, because he he had he had originally he has a tra he has a castle that can travel through space. Yeah, and he he traveled as a man, as a uh, as a creature of the night for so long, and he gave that up for her. He and that's what led to her death. He was not there to help her because he was traveling across the land as a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember this episode now. It's it's been a while since I've watched it, but I think probably three years ago that I watched it. 
And uh, it, it is very intense. There's some raw emotion going on there with uh, the experience. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think a lot of gore ensues uh, after that Oh, yeah, moment. because, yeah, because um, you know, he, he loved her. I mean, mm -hmm. she was a woman that sought knowledge, and he fell in love she, with that that person. Yeah, and she wanted to be a doctor, And she fell in love right? with him. And then once he finds out that the church actually destroyed her, um, it becomes a whole new genre of pain. <laughs> and ready for clip four? Oh, yeah. What have you done to my wife? In Normandy, Patrice I am Vlad Dracula Tadesh. You will tell me why this thing has happened to my wife. Oh no. Oh god. Dracula. He was supposed to be myth. A story made up by heretics. She. She's a witch. Lisa Tadesh was a woman of the sciences. And the one thing that justified humanity's stench upon this planet. You are not real. You are a fiction that justified the practice of black magic. Fiction? You take my wife and deny I even exist. I give you one year while I can You have one year to make your peace and remove any marks you have made upon the land. One year, and then I'll wipe all human life from the land of Malachi. You took that which I love, so I will take from you everything you have, and everything you have ever been. One year. So Dracula is kind of forcing a 12-step program on him that has a year expiration date, right? Yeah, but it's cool. He gives him <laughs> one year. You know, you yeah. would think you'd be smart enough to get away from there one year, right? Well, yeah, you would. You one would think. Yeah, because, you know, oh, well, he's a devil and people thought he was not real. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, but there are some, at least some decent minds, um, people don't know is that uh dracula and his wife had a son and that son does try to talk his father out of it there are no innocents not anymore any one of them could have stood up and said no we won't behave like animals anymore i won't let you do it i grieve with you but i won't let you commit genocide and that's the guy who did the voice of uh, Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, right? I think so. Yeah. It, yeah, it sure the, sounded like him. Yeah, Alucard is really, really a cool character because, you know, he's half human, he's half vampire. Um, yeah. He has his love for the people. Um, he knows his father's need for revenge, but he really doesn't want to do that. He, he He's trying to play the... You know, he's trying to be the paladin here, you know? Yeah. And, of course, that it, Alucard, the son of Dracula, if you didn't know, backwards, Alucard spells 
Dracula. Yes, it does. And it's, it's a trope used over and over and over again. But, but I um, love it. I love it, especially in, in, in animation. It, it lends itself well to something that's like comic bookish, you know. Well, in um, Castlevania itself, it's 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 like part of the 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 genre now. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. But you know, and then and what, what's funny is, um, you would think that you know people would be afraid of the devil, afraid of the demon that showed himself at such a very high point. You know, at at the burning of a witch, he busted that all up, and and you know he he gave them a warning. But what do they do on the anniversary of her death? One year. I gave you one year to make your peace with your God. And what do you do? Celebrate the day you killed my wife. One year I gave you while I assembled my armies. And now I bring your death. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> and I, I do love the I do love Matt Frewer's character because um he denies it to the bitter end. Uh he does and was there a clip after that that not that I know of. I don't think. Oh, okay, I okay. Uh, I'm sorry. It sounded like you were setting me up for a clip, and I just wanted to make sure we were good. No, no, no. So. This is just the first episode, so yeah, yeah, you know. Okay. Remember, Matt Frewer's character is there for their first season. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no. What a uh, you know, uh, and this is all coming back to me because I, you know, again, I haven't watched this in in some time, but now I'm I'm compelled to go back. I think this might be one of the better Dracula series that are currently available i try you know there was that bbc dracula series that i was watching for a while it was it was just like a, a like a four episode miniseries or something like that and it was kind of cool but i kind of the, the first episode of it i liked a lot and then when they flashed forward into time and you know it was it was kind of a you know boring but um but no this this i think i could get on board with yeah, but the, uh, the first the first episode of uh, Castlevania basically it sets the backstory. It sets why yeah. Dracula is so pissed off, why he is just slaughtering everybody. Um, but it doesn't really give you Trevor Belmont until the end, mm-hmm. and he's just a lush sitting in a in a an inn thinking about you know his his past uh, problems, and then somebody starts talking about him. And then he's like, oh, crap, I should probably leave now. <laughs> <laughs> I've said too much. Well, they've said too much. <laughs> so. Well, they said too much, and I should not be here at this point. Yeah. yeah. Exit and that's kind stage of, right. It's kind of cool, because he's he's basically a ne'er-do-well that actually has to regain his name. Yeah. Well, th- no, I, 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 I dig it. So uh, I'm going to have to check in with the rest. But, yeah, so... Uh, but no, it's it, it, funny. Uh, Francie said Shani was blushing because we mentioned her on the show. Don't blush, Shani. We're your friends. Hell uh, yeah, Shani. Yeah. Join us sometime. And, uh, yeah, she, she mentioned an anime called Van Helsing as well. Um, that's a good one. I have, and, I own uh, that as well. And she, she says, uh, a, a vampire who kills Nazi vampires. 
And uh, so, no, I'm, I'm down with that. You know, it, well, you know, Nazis, Heck, that's yeah. one of the big ones that you can kill, right? Um, Nazis, robots, and zo- zombies and aliens. Those are the ones that you can get away with killing and not having to feel bad about it. Yeah, I think there's a movie called Dead Sea or something like that. It's about a U-boat that people find, and it's filled with Nazi vampires. So it's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. You know, and then, oh, of course, and then there's that classic... Uh, movie with peter cushing too uh oh god what is that it's um about the the nazi zombies that come out of the water oh gosh um shockwaves remember that? oh yeah yeah that's a good one so um it you know what's yeah, funny but- is is uh that that kind of trope about things you can fight and kill uh uh came up in uh falcon and winter soldier um, yes. <laughs> you know. Yes, but it's now Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Oh, 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 oh! Spoilers. Um, oh, sorry. No, what a great series though that was. But anyway, I love we'll, it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that at some time. But any anyway, uh, Michelle, anything else you want to add before we uh, get to the break? And uh, your trailer block is coming up actually. So do you want it, to? And it's in the spirit of what uh, you and Miles have been uh, talking about tonight: animation. Right. Um, just if 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 you like animation, you like a good storyline. Castlevania is nice. If you don't like gore, don't watch it. There are a lot of gory scenes in there because there are a lot of demon ripping, flesh eating critters in it. Yeah. But it's a fun storyline. It has it has some really really classic elements to it. It has mm-hmm. boy meets girl. It has a ne'er do well who tries to become better. And it has some really cool tropes in it. Um, the first season basically is about a corrupt uh, bishop, you know, and Dracula. Yeah. The second season's about Dracula, more or less. The third season's about Saint Germain, an alchemist, which is really, oh. really cool. And I don't know what the fourth season is yet, but it's coming out soon, and I cannot wait. <laughs> I think it's about uh, an evil grandmother who unhinges her jaw. Why don't you just unhinge oh, okay. your jaw and finish me off? After my Magnum P.I. <laughs> well, I, I, I thought it was about uh, Wild Parsley. Uh, w- wild Parsley? Yeah. <laughs> so it could have been. Uh, but anyway, all right. Uh, uh, good stuff. And Michelle, what, what do we have coming up for our trailer block uh, tonight? Oh, we have some good ones. We have uh, Lady Death, which oh, yes. n- not many people based know about. Based on a comic book. Based on a comic book yep. series. Dante's Inferno. Oh, it's been too long since I've seen that. Yeah, and Supernatural, the animated series. Yeah, it was a uh, the, that they that was a long time ago. I forgot about that, but yeah, the Japanese loved it, so they made it into an animated series. So there Very you go. Very nice. All right, well, we'll be right back. Uh, got some animation trailers, and we're gonna wrap things up, wrap things up. Excuse me with our Twilight Zone review from 61 years ago today, Nightmare as a Child. Did you say wild parsley?
Going back to school at Uppsala. But Niccolo. Come with me, Hope. I can't. Father would never let me leave. Your father cares nothing for you or your safety. He's utterly consumed by his personal crusade. Don't ever leave me, Niccolo. Promise me. I promise you. We are destined to be together in this world and the next. Niccolo. to the wrong god. Open the gate! Who are you? The better question is, who are you? Take the blasphemer! Help me! God, please, help me! We can't work together again. God cannot help you. Dear Lord, forgive me.
What's the matter? What do you want? Oh my god! D! Are you alright? Oh, what's the matter? D! D! I saw it! Gold Creek! It might be a trap set by the demon! Hmm. Hold on, Sammy. We're coming! What the hell are you playing at? The game has already begun. This is a game? Like all games, there can only be one winner. <laughs> this is it. I'm positive. <laughs> Put it on lamb, you never know it's lamb. That's one thing we haven't licked yet. <laughs> I decided that everything we have on the show, all the short clips we have for the show, um, we can uh, play this. Um, I am hard. Damn hard. That's one thing we haven't licked yet. You know, I can just put that oh, after no. every <laughs> Uh, you know. Uh, so what, do you, what do you think about Lady Death? Oh no, I I think I uh, you know I haven't seen it, but I wouldn't mind seeing it because who do you remember who the illustrator was on that uh, um comic series? Because I think that was oh, God, I can't. It wasn't Image, but I think it might have been Dark Horse that did that. Not offhand, but I have a yeah. lot of the collector cards for it, yeah. so. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and the Dante's Inferno one is not bad either. Yeah, I, I have seen that, but it's been way too long since I've, I've seen it. So, because that, that's from the early 2000s, right? I think so. Like 2004? Yeah, yeah I, I, th I think so. So, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you so much for that, Michelle. And uh, Miles, thank you for... The Dungeons and Dragons cartoon uh, talk as well. That was very enlightening and fun. And Joe, yep, yep. Thank you so much for the uh, one step beyond, which was an inspiration for uh, what we're going to talk about right now. Tennessee, you calm your silly ass down. <laughs> Sorry, Tennessee's doing. He just ate, so now he's like he's going to start talking and running around and being crazy. But. There are no cats in this Twilight Zone episode. There are not. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, let's set it up with the intro. Twilight Zone, Season 1, Episode 29, Nightmare as a Child, which aired 61 years ago tonight. Here we go. Take it away, Rod. Well, hello there. How are you? You're new here, aren't you? 
I should give a little bit of a setup for this. Uh, a woman is going home to her apartment and sees a small blonde child sitting on the stairs, a, a young girl, uh, and she looks very serious. And here we go. Are you just visiting? Is that it? Just visiting someone in the building? You're a quiet one, aren't you? Not much to say, is that it? Well, I'm kind of an expert on children. Quiet ones, noisy ones, all kinds. I teach school. I know. I know all about you. Oh. You do? Well, how about a cup of nice hot chocolate? That's the first thing I usually make when I come home from school. A cup of nice hot chocolate. I know. But you don't like marshmallows, do you? You're right, I don't. I don't either. Here we are. Oh, don't you think we ought to tell your mother where you are? We wouldn't want her to be worried. That won't be necessary. Well, I'll just put the milk on. I'm in no hurry. Month of November. Hot chocolate and a small cameo of a child's face, imperfect only in its solemnity. And these are the improbable ingredients to a human emotion. An emotion, say, like fear. But in a moment, this woman, Helen Foley, will realize fear. She will understand what are the properties of terror. A little girl will lead her by the hand and walk with her into a nightmare. Yes, she will. And Joe, you know what's funny is I, I did a search to see if I could find a drop for hot chocolate because <laughs> I thought I had something. And the only thing that came up was an episode of Johnny Dollar <laughs> oh, <laughs> called, <no. laughs> called The Hot Chocolates Matter. <laughs> so I do have I have that. Anyway, so yeah, crappy Johnny Dollar uh, recording, mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, th this episode, I I'm gonna you know I'll just come right out and say it, and that's the only audio I have from it. Um, I kind of had an inkling as to how this episode was gonna go, mostly because we we had talked about it before, right. But it kind of, um, the episode itself as it unfolded uh, seemed a little a little predictable. Uh, not as, And I'm not saying it's not a good episode. Uh, it's just not the kind of episode I gravitate towards. So, uh, but on, on that note, though, uh, let's, let's uh, start setting this up here. Uh, because we've all watched this, correct? Yes, and yes. remember, nobody uh, likes marshmallows. I do. I'm a big fan. So well, they don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. No. So, um, uh, yeah. So Michelle, why don't you why don't you set it up? Uh, she invites uh, this young girl in for hot chocolate. Yeah, but it's not creepy at all. Actually, it's not creepy back then, but it is creepy now. So um, sure. Yeah. Well, but, there's yeah, something she... even creepier than that in the episode later oh, yeah. when the dude shows up. Yeah, so she, she, she invites the girl into her, um, her her apartment, 
and she says, I'll make you some hot chocolate. And the girl's like, it's not too hot. And the girl's like, and the, the woman's like, yeah. And he goes, uh, but I don't like marshmallows. You don't like marshmallows either, don't you? And the woman's like, no, I don't. And she kind of looks at the little girl kind of weird. And, like, and, and the girl's like, just make sure it's not too hot because you were burned before. Ah, you can see right. that scar on your elbow. And the woman looks, and there's a scar on her elbow. It's like, um, and she looks at the little girl like weirdly. And like, she doesn't outright say, how did you know that? But. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of playing it coy. Like, eh, what are you up to? You little wise ass. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, and, uh, Joe, you want to, you want to pick it up from there for this episode? Well, uh, yeah. So they, she has the chocolate and, uh, a knock comes on the door. Knock, 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 knock. And the little girl gets very afraid, very afraid. And she runs out the back door of the apartment. Hey, here, and hold so on a the, sec. There you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the adult uh, goes to the door, and um, she uh, and there's a gentleman there. Rather creepy fellow, by the way. Rather creepy looking, and and he she happened to see this guy, um, back at her school. When she was coming home, he was stopped at a red light. And uh, she was crossing the street. And their eyes met. And mm -hmm. uh, she recognized him, but couldn't place him. And here yeah. he was at her door. Yeah, and uh, the little girl, before she ran away, asked, uh, she, she was asking her, uh, the, the, the teacher... The adult woman, have you seen, have you started to see people that you might have recognized from before? Uh, and, or, uh, you know, do you pass someone on the street who you think you might know but can't place? And um, uh, miles from there, this gentleman caller, uh, again, pretty creepy dude, shows up. And introduces himself as somebody who worked for her mother at one point. Yes, worked for the mother. Uh, you know, mentions he hasn't seen her in a long time, and uh, mentions the, the the fate of the mother or her passing in some way, in shape or form. But yeah, vaguely, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. His behavior is it. It, it you know he may have looked creepy. It didn't start out creepy. It just sounded like okay, yeah, it's just a guy catching up, you know, long time no see kind of thing. But then his statements start getting a little more like okay, a little more creepy this, creepy that, and uh, but he he starts to excuse himself to like you know like okay, well he's just gonna move on because she really doesn't remember much, not enough to you know be of any concern. And so he's like, well, you know, he's going to start to leave. And then she starts to have a moment of hearing the girl sing, I think. And he doesn't hear the girl singing. 
and uh, a twinkle, twinkle, right. little star. And then, uh, doesn't the <laughs> and then doesn't he the hot, doesn't leave. Doesn't the hot he, chocolate uh, thing happen before then though? Uh, where, oh yes, she yeah. bring, she brings the hot chocolate that she served the girl back to the kitchen, but notices that none of it had been drank. Mm -hmm. Drunk. Filled to, yeah. filled to the brim. Filled to the brim. Uh, yeah, it had so been that was strange to her. But, but the creepiest yeah, thing, the creepiest thing the guy said was he was an adult who worked for her mother. He, it, right. you know, did the books for her business and stuff. And he's like, I used to have a crush on you back then. Oh, yeah, this was such a cute yeah, little kid. I had a crush on that. You. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't have a crush on a child. No, no. No, he's a pederast. Unless you're uh, Matt Getz. I, I don't know no. if the word had a different meaning back in the day, but that no. it, today that phrase would be like seriously. It did strike me as Matt Gates light. <laughs> well, so. or yeah, Ted Nugent. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so. yeah. That that was a. It did stand out. I but when say. he picked up a guitar and started playing Wang Dang Sweet Poon Tang, that really creeped me oh, out. No. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I kid. I kid. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, basically, this guy was kind of needling her to try and remember what happened when her mother was killed and, and started going back and saying, Yeah, I, I heard when your mother was killed, I was the first person there. And I saw that you were traumatized by this and and everything. Um, and uh, at that point, uh, you know he you know he leaves, and you know because he's like I'm just passing through, and he's not suspicious at all. I mean, just seems like a good natured fella. Again, I'm I'm being oh, very yeah. I'm I'm being very cynical because this episode was very transparent to me. Um, uh, but. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. So Michelle, uh, after he takes off, the little girl returns. Yeah. Yeah. After, after, um, yeah, she, she's been, you know, little girl returns and starts talking to her. He sure don't remember. You, you really need to remember something. And yeah. like, um, I remember, you know, you, you, you called yourself Marky and he said, my name was Marky when I was a kid. So what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you have to understand. You need to remember. <laughs> yeah. And, well, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, and that was the th actually uh, backing it up a little bit. Um, oh, he shows her the picture. The old guy shows her the picture before he leaves. Yeah, and, and even before that, uh, she mentioned this little girl, Marky, who had come to visit and didn't drink the cocoa. And the guy says, well, that's strange. Your name used to be Marky. Your nickname was Marky when you were a child. And um, and here's the picture I've been keeping in my pocket all this time. Because <laughs> I had a crush on you. <laughs> Which is really creepy as all hell. And, I got and it's the exact get. same picture yeah. of the little girl. Yep. I'll tell you what, that guy could floss with like a, a, a gym sock. He had a lot of... Uh, he has some space <laughs> in his front two teeth. Yes, he does. So, <laughs> um, yeah. get a get a piece of nautical rope, and he can floss with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the it, it was established. You, you, her name was Marky when she was a child, and then you know uh, the little girl. And she was a 
Yeah, she was a two-headed kid, and the picture looks exactly yeah. like her. Yeah, uh, yeah, little little platinum blonde, and then uh, uh, Joe. So uh, uh, Mister Creepy just passing through mm-hmm. comes back after all that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, well, he he's he's intent on uh, seeing how far he could jar her memory. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, you know, he starts telling her things like, uh, you you know, like that she, her nickname was Marky and, and all that. And uh, she starts to remember things. She mm-hmm. starts to remember the night her mother was murdered. Oh, and I and guess before she... that, too, the little girl came back and was like, she basically said, I'm you. I'm you laying in the bed uh, and all that, yeah. I think. So I, I can't and remember the exact you. structure. Yeah. Yeah. So the memories of her mother, the night of her mother's murder, be, start to come back to her. Mm-hmm. And um, she realizes that uh, she, she remembers what happened and the shadows on the wall of her mother struggling with the sky. Mm-hmm. Apparently... He cooked the books, and she caught him and was going to turn him in. He wanted her to cover for him. Yeah. And thus ensued this uh, violent uh, uh, confrontation. He hit her with a blunt instrument and killed her. The girl girl starts screaming from her bed. He came into the bedroom, but for some reason, I, I forgot why he, he, it's he because- left. It's because the other people started coming up. She oh, started okay. screaming, and they they came up. They, he started to hear the noise on the stairs. He didn't want to be caught in there. Right. But she did get a glimpse of him vaguely, and now it's starting to come back to her. And it's starting to appear to him that he's got to erase this last person that connected him with the murder. Yeah. So they struggle. And they go out into the, the he tr- tries to drag her out into the hallway to uh, push, push her down the steps. And in the struggle, uh, he backs up and he falls down the steps. Womp womp. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> and he apparently breaks his neck and he's yeah. dead at the bottom yeah. of the steps. And Miles, we'll pass it off to you uh, right now. Uh, the there, uh, uh, I believe, a, a medical examiner and a police officer uh, yes, show up. A doctor and her psychiatrist. And, uh, or her psychiatrist. And, and, and yes, so she, uh, they have a discussion about. Yeah, she was given a sedative, but uh, you know she was talking about a little girl and a uh, sedative. Like, <laughs> sedative. Sorry, sedative. <laughs> And, uh, right, so, yeah, the little girl's mentioned and how she thinks it's, that they believe that they're talking about her and her memories and they're coming back or what have you. But, yeah, basically, they're talking about her mind was, I don't know, sheltering itself or protecting itself from the horrors of life or something like So, yeah, this, this episode isn't really supernatural, really. It's another mind bender, kind of like the previous one with the Air Force guy in the... Uh, sensory deprivation chamber mm-hmm. psychological kind of yes. Uh, yes. episode 
And the doctor comes to the conclusion that uh, he says, yes, this this small child that she was seeing was actually something from her subconscious that was trying to protect her from this guy who has come around. And, you know, yes. and it's smart in, you know, in a way. But again, it was it was just a little uh, too upfront for me. And, uh, you know, I was like yeah. just kind of waiting for the reveal. Similar to the uh, One Step Beyond episode, although the the acting, again, from Cloris Leachman in the uh, the Dark Room episode of One Step Beyond was, was quite remarkable. And um, Michelle, if you want to bring it home, you posted a picture uh, from yes. the very end of the episode. Uh, why don't you do that? And then we'll, uh, we'll start shutting down. It came from Cleveland. Yeah, so basically the teacher's, uh, she's laying on her couch and she's, you know, dealing with the aftermath. She had the sedative. She had her psychologist in there. You know, the police have been grilling her about the the death of the man on the stairs. She's relaxing. And then she starts hearing a song. She starts hearing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. The that's the song. same song. Yeah. Yeah. Same song she heard her younger self singing. So she's like, she's curious, but also worried. Yeah. A little so freaked she, out. Yeah. So she gets up, she walks up to the door, she opens up the door, and she sees a young girl sitting on the stairs with a doll. An entirely different young girl. Mm-hmm. Walks up to the young girl, engages her, starts talking with her. Has a pleasant interaction with her, and that's the end of the show. Yeah, and she's like, "You need to smile more." <laughs> no, she didn't say that. Um, she, no. she she essentially said, uh, "You have a beautiful smile, and you should never." Yeah, lose and your it. doll has a beautiful smile as well. Yes, that is true. So, so there you go. Uh, a a the decent stabbed her to death. <laughs> it's yeah. not a Chucky doll. No, yeah, it was. <laughs> Chucky in a in a petticoat. Um, Although there are different dolls that are kind of like that. But yeah. True, true. All right, well, guys, here we are. We're at the end. Uh, we did it. Uh, our fifth show. And you know what that means? 15 hours of it came from Cleveland in the can. About 30 of those minutes are robots. <laughs> the robots are amazing. Uh, so, uh, well, this time, they really let me down. I can't believe how filthy they were tonight. So, uh, uh, But no, great stuff tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, One Step Beyond, we'll be talking about that more down the road. Love talking about Cloris Leachman tonight. So much good stuff. And, of course, everybody check out Castlevania. Uh, the uh, old school 80s Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoon. Uh, I have a collection of that somewhere around here. I, I'm jonesing to start watching it again now. Because it's I bet on we YouTube, can get some... all 28 episodes. Yeah, oh, I love the DVD. Okay. I have the DVD. Right. So. Well, there we go. And next week, we have a huge show planned for everybody. Because guess what? It's Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to be talking Kolchak because Darren McGavin, his birthday's next week. And uh, we're... Oh, I, I, I'm just so excited. I went and I bought all the Night Stalker DVDs, the two movies and all 20 episodes of this series. So it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, I've been um, rewatching them myself because I've always owned them, so I love them. All right, very good. So, uh, all right, here we go. This is it. Last I, minute of the show. Quick, quick, quick parting shot. Yep, go. Right, so if, if there's one thing that everyone, I think, should take away from this show, if you take nothing else, it's that breastfeeding is natural and beautiful. No exceptions. There you go. And also take the change that fell between the cushions. Um, <laughs> all right. Always take that change. <laughs> all right, we'll see everybody next Friday, right here on Radio for Humans. On It Came From Cleveland. Why don't you just unhinge your jaw and finish me off? After my Magnum P.I. the air and i'm so glad i said darren mcgavin and not gavin mcleod <laughs> but gavin mcleod was a nazi on hogan's heroes last night <laughs> yes yes he was <laughs> so funny so uh all right we'll save that for as an outtake for the podcast hi podcast people this is special for you bye